Alrighty, welcome everyone to episode 86 of the Racing Line podcast. I'm here with just Joey tonight. We're going to review the Belgian Grand Prix in Formula One as well as discuss the the event in Sydney Motorsport Park for supercars over the weekend. Joey, mate, how was your weekend? Pretty fantastic, mate. Went down to the supercars on uh, Saturday night, took the little fella for his first experience of motorsport and... Um, Judging from the reaction on his face, I think it made it really made my night. Like how how excited he was to uh, <laughs> to see cars going around the track. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, we had we had uh, I think some decent racing in Formula One as well to spice things up. I was I was pretty impressed with the spectacle that Supercars offered us on Saturday and on Sunday, to be honest. And we'll touch on that a bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had a lot, you know, a lot worse races to have to cover, uh, than what we got dished up this week. And it was pretty awesome. hundred percent, mate. Well, um, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, Max Verstappen got the W again. I think that's eight in a row, which is insane. I think he's one race away from breaking the record held by Seb and is it Senna? No, no, this, this, this race tied, he tied with Seb and then yep. at the next race, which is, is it, which is which is then thought funny enough. Yeah. Uh, he has the opportunity. He has the opportunity to break it. Um, so and sort of like it's been teed up very nicely for him. Well, yeah, and mate, the fact that he qual- he had a five place grid penalty penalty qualified on pole, started sixth, and I think it was by lap sixteen he was already ahead of Checo, and ended up winning by thirty seconds or something like that. So. The guy is an absolute machine, but uh, what were your main takeaways from the race, mate? Uh, I thought that the race itself was a was a pretty good race. There, it was a it was an interesting race. I thought we'd get a. I thought the race itself would be a little bit more exciting. I thought we'd get mm. a bit bit more substantial rain, but then when when I sort of sat and pondered what we saw and 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 had to think about what was actually happening in the race, it it. It's becoming very apparent that the midfield battles for the you know the the, the lower places, but then also the um, everyone other than uh, Red Bull, I suppose, it mm. is very de- the where you finish is becoming much more dependent on where you start in terms of mm. qualifying. So so really hitting the ground running, getting a good setup locked in, and then um, you know putting your best foot forward in qualifying qualifying is becoming very important. And I think the fact that no teams really got any good running in this weekend due to the fact it was all wet on um, Mm. the Friday and then um, it's a sprint format. So there's less practice sessions. A lot of teams are sort of hitting and hoping Mm -hmm. in terms of what they rolled out with and then, you know, what setup they were using. And I think that was very apparent in the race as well. So it wasn't the best Spa Frankenchamp week in that we've ever had, but when you look at the battles on track, there was a lot of overtaking. There was a lot of different mm. strategies at play, and it kept me engaged the whole race as well. Yeah, I think um, this weekend really highlighted, like you said, qualifying is becoming so important. Like we take Danny Rick, his second race back, he was his quality pace was really good, um, as you know demonstrated by the sprint quality. Um, but he made the mistake up a Rouge 
by going out of track limits and it knocked his time. So he was, I think he'd qualified. His time was enough for P6 in Q1. Um, but he end, ends up in P19, which kind of ruined his whole weekend. But then you've got the juxtaposition of Yuki, who managed to get through into Q2, qualified P11, and then finished P10. So those cars, they're not made, like, I'm not saying the AlphaTauri's, but just in general, I think it's your AlphaTauri, your Williams, your Haas, Alfa Romeo, probably your Alpine is is kind of in that group. Um it's so hard to pass and it's so hard to to make progress throughout the field. Um which is a good thing, I guess, for you know, ensuring that the driver is making the most difference. But on a track like Spa where the the DRS is strong, but then some cars are really strong in sector two, some cars are weak in sector two, so they're losing ground. It's yeah, it's really hard to make progress. There's a really interesting part of the race. Uh Yesterday in the main race, there was a, a group. It was Gasly, uh, Sonoda, and Albon, and they mm. were all they're all running sort of in the same five or so seconds. And there was a part when uh, Albon was able to get past Sonoda relatively easily. Mm. So then Sonoda, after a couple laps of really harrying him, was able to get back in front of him. And then how the pit stops shook out. Um, I think Gasly ended up being the car in front and it was just interesting to watch the cars jockey because the Williams was able to take over the Alpine, not the Alpine, the uh, Alpha, Alpha Tower relatively easily because it's down the mm. DRS straights. It um, struggled more so with the Alpine, but then the, but then it looked like um, the Alpha Tower was able to take over the Alpine relatively com- comfortably. So it's sort of, uh, I was, sort of watching it because I was watching the uh, how Williams was going to do. And I found mm-hmm. it really interesting just how apparent the, the different cars' strengths and weaknesses were when you sort of watch it, watch them in a, in a three-way and see mm-hmm. thing, you know, which cars were able to overtake which cars and which cars struggled a bit more to do so. And, like, really I was thinking, what more do you really want than having, mm-hmm. you know, races for points at different parts, like sort of different stages of a race that means something. Uh, and I th- like when you sort of sit back and look at it, we've probably other, yeah, Max is running away with it, but there is so much interesting racing happening everywhere else mm. around the track. Uh, look at Ferrari. They've been sort of nowhere for the last couple of races and, and they had a great qualifying and, and uh, probably unfortunately that um, Carlos and our boy Oscar had a coming together on the first corner, ruined both their races. But I, it looked like they were the best of the rest this week. Um, and like we said, I think this is going to happen throughout the year. Whichever car can maximise mm. its performance or sort of come with a good setup any given Sunday is going to be very interesting how the the back end of the season uh, in terms of the championships start shaping up. Like I was intrigued because... Obviously, you had Gasly finishing P3, so his quality for the sprint was obviously a lot better than it was for the race. He couldn't make any progress during the race. He was stuck. But in the sprint, because of where he qualified, he was able to maintain that P3. The it, was whole, a bit like, sc- it was interesting for him because he was a bit screwed during the race because he never mm. got onto the faster tyres. And I suppose that was the... um, Like how that car is as well. It, it was struggling... Mm 
to get past a lot of the midfield cars. But then at the same time, Ocon was able to race up to, I think, sixth or seventh relatively mm. comfortably. And he was pulling, like he was pulling a lot of like really awesome um, outside moves. And I know that you feel differently about Ocon than me, but I thought this was one of the better races he's had in the Alpine other than the ones where he seems to get on the podium or win races. Um, like I thought he raced into the points really, uh, really strongly. He was, it was all, um, it wasn't like just a, a freak strategy. He was on a very similar strategy to the cars around him. And mm. yeah, Ocon sort of got, um, sorry, Gasly sort of got stuck in a, in a interesting battle with a few other guys, but I think there was like, this was a, even for Alpine, they're, they're in no man's land. They're not sitting close to the top four teams and they're sitting comfortably in front of the back five teams. Um, and on the, I think on the weekend where they um, pretty much said after this weekend, they're getting rid of Zaffanauer and a few <laughs> other guys in the team. They had the best, um, probably one of the, the better race weekends that they've had in a while. Um, yeah. Like yeah. it was. Like I think. I think for me, the biggest thing I noticed this weekend, and I don't know if you noticed it, is you're hearing a lot more of I was in dirty air, I was in, I, I didn't have clean air. And I think the longer we stay with these cars, we've, this is what, a year and a half in now, they're bolting more downforce onto them now. They are struggling a little bit more compared to last year to follow each other. And I think that's that's what's causing the the kind of blockage if you will, or the DRS trains in the lower half of the midfield because they're yeah, all similarly powered. Yeah, but I think I think the DRS trains in the midfield and uh, are still a lot closer than what they looked yeah. a couple of years back. I mean, a driver saying I'm stuck in dirty air, dirty, I, think, I think taking what drivers say, you have to take everything a driver says as a grain of salt <laughs> because they will complain about, you know, and, and it's like everyone, like it's, it's it's their job. They're going to complain about literally everything that happens that goes against them. Um, yeah, you're in dirty air, you're behind another car. I think it speaks more to the fact that the um, the battles in the two different parts of the grid are now so close. Like you can throw, um, you're not really seeing car. Oh, it was actually interesting because last race, the cars finished in flying formation. I think, I think every team was... Mm line to stern for the first for the top 10 this week it wasn't the case and um in sort of both breakdowns front or the back everyone other than the red bull at the front and then the back end there was mm. fights going everywhere and it was a it was um you know you could you couldn't predict how it was going to shake out except what teams maximize their strategies the best mm-hmm. drivers will complain that's I think that's that's fine, but when you sort of look at the product, it, I think it was a very uh, interesting product what we got this week. And going forward, um, the great thing is I think we're not going to be able to predict, hmm. other than the Red Bulls being one two if they do everything right, how everything else is going to shake out, which probably is which is a um probably going to be compelling for a drive to survive next year you're going to get a few interesting storylines but also just like us fans who are staying up or going to the races or just want to mm. be, be surprised that's all you can ask for it'll be interesting as well because we go into so many like good tracks still like we still have suzuka we still monza. have monza um you know some 
classic tracks that always give us good racing. So Coda. It, Coda, Mexico. I love Mexico. I think Mexico is a great track. Brazil. Brazil. Like we just have some awesome tracks coming up. And if the midfield's close, like I don't care if Max runs away with it. Like at the end of the day, at the moment I'm watching it, knowing Max is going to win. It's from two to twenty that I'm kind of paying attention to. So the other thing I wanted to discuss with you, mate, is the um because there's a bit of blame bent thrown around by the drivers at the moment. Oscar and Carlos. What were, what were your thoughts on that incident? Um on first thought I thought it was uh Carlos's mistake. I still think the 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 blame if it was to be divvied up would be more in Carlos's camp. But at the same time it is like I was saying to you just before the podcast, that's, that corner mm. is such a such a treacherous corner. And in hindsight, I would also think that Piastri was probably, he was being opportunistic and it, it was probably the right move. But I think mm. in hindsight for him, he'll be like, okay, it was the right move, but was it the smartest move? Like it's, a, it's such mm. a precarious shaped corner anyway. And even if you stick it in there, are you going to be able to pull it up? to avoid the, the outside row of cars. So um, I just thought it was a, I just thought it was a racing incident, to be honest. Mm. I mean, I think each driver has a, as it has a claim as well. Um, but thinking too far, in, like I wouldn't think too much into it. It looked very much so like a racing incident and really both drivers screwed up their race from that, from that incident. So as long as the, that, as long as neither of them were able to, really push mm. on i was pretty happy or not i was uh satisfied with the outcome and i think the the, yeah. the saddest part is, is that of the mclarens oscar was looking the races this weekend i predicted last week of tristan that he would get a podium this week mm. and he did get one in the sprint race which is what I, which is not what i was meaning but i'll take <laughs> it um uh, i would have liked to see how he would have gone in the race and same thing with carlos like with how the front Ferraris were this week, and they could have scored probably a, a a better a better fall of points, which is what they really need at the moment as well. Yeah, I don't know. Like the McLaren, I think the rain brought them back that little bit of rain in the middle of the race because Lando was just getting chopped up in the like in the first stint because um, it, it was obviously a- set up set up for high downforce for for wet weather, which is why I think they were so quick during quality in the sprint, but um. Yeah, well, it would have been did, interesting. They did set up for rain because mm. they knew that that was the a the, the the way that the car runs best, and also their best chance of having a great um, great result. And I suppose in hindsight, they did get rain. It just wasn't enough to really um, play much of a factor. So I think it did bring Lando back into the race, though, because that's when he started picking up the pace a bit. I think I think he pitted at a very opportunistic time frame because he put on some softs. The mm-hmm. rain came, and he was able to really run the sticky softs while the track was at its precarious. And I think he made up a lot of ground mm-hmm. on a lot a lot of cars through that time who were still on worn hards and mediums. And you know he was able to sort of make up a couple seconds a lap for what is ten laps or so, like ten good laps or so on those softs. So. Mm. He was, yeah, I didn't, from where he was sitting in the first couple laps of that race, I wouldn't have, I, I think he should have been pretty happy that he came back to seventh as well, to be honest. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, I, I am excited. I guess because every weekend at the moment, we don't know who's going to be that second, third, fourth best car. Um, you know, the weekend started off with McLaren, like sector two Oscar in qualifying. I think he was like 1.5 seconds faster than everyone else. They were obviously losing it in sector. But the fact that that was so much quicker through sector two, um, and it was just him, like Lando was quick, but not as quick as Oscar. But then Ferrari was quick. But then last week, Ferrari were nowhere. Like it's just at the moment, there's so much jeopardy in those in those positions below the Red Bulls that I, it does make it exciting. And I know people like Anthony will say it's not fun when Max is winning every week. But if you just accept that fact and look at the rest of it, I think it's it's good entertainment. I'm finding it really compelling. Like I haven't, we've had what four races in in somewhat quick succession, hmm. and I've been pretty happy with all of them. With Hungary, with Spa, with this one, and I think Austria, Austria before that as well. So you know, Silverstone. Four races that were all compelling. I mean, it, I think people take out what they want. If you want to look for the negatives, and I think I'll make this point with supercars as well. If you want to look for negatives, they're going to be there. And the harder you look, the more you're going to find. That's that's just how it goes, I suppose. But Nature I of the think, beast, right? Yeah, exactly. And to, and to pretend that teams haven't dominated, like I don't think there's maybe been one year that I remember that is the year that everyone harped on about when there was multiple teams that had a chance of winning. But that's mm. just not the reality of the sport. I think there's mainly usually two teams who win a race in a year, sometimes three or four. But more often than not, it's about two. And if you, you know, if you want to, if you want to keep looking, keep looking and, and be miserable. But like, mm-hmm. if you stop, if you if you take a step back, we're getting some great racing. And yeah, it's down the back of the grid. But they're also now focusing on racing down the back of the grid. Max doesn't get as much TV coverage coverage as anymore, if you notice, because he's so mm. far ahead. We're getting a lot of racing between, you know, wherever the, the racing seems to be is what they're focusing on. Like there was so much focus on the on um the Albon Williams with the Gasly and and um and was at the at the end of the race they were focusing on jokes. He was having a push through at the back end of the race. So, you know, I think if you're a fan of the sport or you're a fan of a certain team, you're going to get something, you're going to be able, they're going to show you a car mm. um, as long as, you know, they're, they're doing something unless you probably go for Haas. And even like, even like that's the other thing, like even a team like Haas this weekend, they looked a lot more competitive than they had for mm. um, a lot of the season. And yeah, I, I, I can't ex- explain exactly why that is, but I was really happy to see that as well. Um you know, for all the Haas fans out there, you know, they probably were, were happy to see them running a little bit more competitive, competitively in race trim. Hulkenberg was looking really good. So, um, except for Quali when he didn't set a lap all weekend. Yeah, but like that's the, <laughs> in the conditions, these things happen. But to then see it, see your car run, like I think that as well, like it sort of showed a bit of smart strategy, put them in the mix, and mm. you just want a chance. But I think, like, yeah, it was a it was a solid weekend. I think um, it was a good way to end the first half of the season. Um, a first half that feels a bit disjointed because we lost 
China, I believe. We lost China, then we lost Imola due to the floods. So we had breaks that weren't meant to be breaks, and then it was start, stop, start, stop. Um, but what are you looking forward to for the rest of the season? We're at the halfway point now, starting for Zandvoort. I think there's so many races to go that the battle between McLaren, Mercedes, Ferrari, and hopefully Aston Martin, if they can bring a few more updates, is looking interesting. Like you said, I think we haven't been able to nail down uh, best of the rest yet. It looks like Mercedes is best of the best of the rest because they're like consistently the third best car at every race and mm-hmm. the other teams are taking taking chances of being second. Um but like I'm just looking forward to the fact that yeah the Red Bulls have taken this championship, but at least the rest of the championship is so open uh, and so compelling that the the racing we're getting between them is interesting. But also watching the teams, you know, Ferrari have uh, made some changes all well this week. Watching how the teams perform under pressure, uh, minimize their mistakes, and um, sort of maximize the points that are on offer is going to be interesting for the next, what is it, 12 races. And there's heaps of points up for grabs for them. It's all, that's the other thing. There's heaps of points up for grabs, but also with, if uh, Checo has found a bit of form, the points are not going to be the ones that are going to pull them away. Mm. You know, it's, you know, at, at that, that interval of 18 points, which is massive, um, you know, if they're squabbling over 12, 12 points, 8 points, 10 points, you know, they're not going to um, sort of make as much distance, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, it keeps it interesting. Yeah, it's going to keep um, it really interesting. Moving on to some supercars. Sydney, uh, Motorsport Park over the weekend. Yeah. Um, what were your main takeaways, mate? You were, lo- you were live on, on the ground. I thought, first and foremost, it was a great weekend. I think that the the idea of a, of the super night or the night race in general um, is a great spectacle for you know if if you want to you know take people to watch car racing, it has a very much of a big bash vibe, which is sort of what they were aiming for when they mm. came up with the idea. I think the like after have going after going. I think I've gone to all of the super nights now, but seeing the fact that now there is the permanent lighting and remember, remembering how, what the lighting was like when they had the um, sort of higher lighting in, in place, it is so easy to navigate in the dark because there's so much lighting. Watching cars race on the lights is also just a great spectacle. I thought the, the, the spectacle was awesome. The cars sound awesome. The way that they handle on the road and look, you know, when your track side is um, really uh, all you really need if you, you know, if you, if you are a petrol head. And then I think people will have comments to say about the parity issue as well. Um, it wasn't a great weekend for that this uh, over the races, but I think a bit of, deep diving into the, into the results will also make a few things clear. But Didn't Chaz get a P2 at some point? Yeah, Chaz got a P2. Anton got a P3. So there's a Mustang on the podium in, in all, in, on both races, which was, I think, fantastic. But there was still 
not a great spread in the top ten, mm. which is what is which is what a lot of people look like uh, look at. Um, but going forward, I think like the whole idea of a super night is something that uh, supercars really need to hone in on at races at venues that can actually offer the spectacle. Uh, there was a few other points I thought were, were really important was uh, racing races that involve multiple tire multiple pit stops and refueling offer a, you know such a better spectacle than some of the races where there's no pit stops uh, minimal mm. pit stops um, and the fact that there was a race on Saturday night that was a bit longer than the Sunday sprint race so it was a bit more tactical and then even the Sunday sprint race was a bit shorter but the 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 surface at Sydney Motorsport Park is so harsh that the drop off on tyres sort of uh, makes when you pit a very sort of uh, strategic decision that even the short race on Sunday was quite interesting as well. But I I think there was a few like those points the racing under under lights the slightly longer races are things that if you look through the comments of social media it's something that the fans are asking for and it's something that never really disappoints do we do we think that we don't do more night races because we haven't got the facilities like sydney motorsport park is a, is a, quite a good facility really when you when you look at it um then you look at some of the other tracks that they race at i can't really see they don't go to phillip island anymore do they they do they, they do. do. I don't know. I don't know if they've got the. Actually, I don't know if they're going this year. I think this year is a much yeah. watered down calendar, mm. but they will definitely be going there in the future. I don't know if if uh, that track has the lighting facilities. To be honest, there mm. aren't many tracks who have the night lighting facilities. But yeah. we've seen we've seen them be able to get in higher light, like you know the higher lights. Mm. And if it's a matter of just getting higher lights out there. <laughs> to make a few more of these events. Um, I think that's something that supercars should really look at. The thing as well that is very different about Sydney Motorsport Park is that it's not too far from the CBD and it's pretty much mm. in suburbia. Whereas like the track that I would have thought would be great for a super night in terms of the track itself, which would be the next track coming up, the bend, is a decent track from the CBD. So you wouldn't really want to be going back home after a night event from there. So there, there are there are interesting things at play, that's for sure, but that shouldn't stop the questions being asked of how, how can it be done or how can you make the spectacle better? Mm. Yeah, I think um, like I, I went there with you guys a couple of years ago and I, I really enjoyed the, the super night. Um. But your point about the longer races, I think we say this every time. Um, I think it was it was the last event in Townsville where they had the two, the two or two hundred and fifty k races or whatever it was. Um, I think they so. were There's... they were amazing. They were amazing races as well. Like it's always with supercars, I find the sprint races aren't that aren't that great. The really short ones, but when you start throwing in different strategies, different tires, refueling, that's when it starts to get really because everyone there's always people on alternate strategies, there's always different refueling levels. It's, it just adds to the spectacle so much more. Well, the, the sprint race on Sunday. And I said, like I said before, was an interesting race because the surface at Sydney Motorsport Park is Mm. very abrasive. So the, you know, the, the, the wear on tires is massive. 
So you you do get the, the ability to have shorter races that have sort of long race consequences on the tyres, I suppose. Um, so that race was really engaging, but, but you don't get that at all the tracks. Like when you go to Tasmania, yeah. you don't really get that. Um, and it's not, so some of the racing isn't really compelling. Like it becomes a, where you qualify, maybe you go yeah. up five, maybe you go down five at the best or at the worst, but where, sort of where you qualify is sort of where you're going to finish somewhat. Um, so yeah, like the race on Saturday was a two was a two hundred k race. It wasn't as long as the one that was there a couple of years ago, which was three hundred k's, which was probably my favorite. But I didn't feel like it was like this. I thought I was going to be underwhelmed with the length this this um, past Saturday, and I wasn't at all. I thought it was actually really good length, especially for a night race. Um, it was very engaging. Two pit stops, got a safety car, so everything really fell well, and. Mm as a like looking at it as a neutral fan which i'm not but trying to be a neutral fan i thought it was a perfect length um i think even the fact that there was only um running on saturday and sunday was also really good because it was all very condensed um which was awesome but i think what the next point we're gonna have to talk about is parody and the problem with how the parody is sort of shaking up. And I think also looking at it a bit deeper rather than saying, yeah, the the Mustangs are just not as good as the Camaros, which I would still say they're probably not. But at the same time, I've written on my notes, the Ford teams need, and I emphasize this, they need to help themselves as well. Because like, I'll go through a few things, but. Do you mean like working together to try and find solutions? Yes and no. Don't like you can't have uh like when you when you're running a deficit of cars in general. So there's there's eleven Fords and there's fourteen whole uh fourteen Camaros. So already you're at a numbers disadvantage. You, you know the Camaros can afford to have a few cars make some mistakes that and you're still going to have a you know a somewhat even split where the, where the Fords do, uh, don't have that luxury at all. And in the second race on the Sunday. There was out of the eleven Fords, there was about five of them that all had like really costly errors, like long pit stops, missing the marks, um, coming in with bent steer with with bent steering so they couldn't mm. get the tires off in time, stalling, dropping the car with one tire. Like there was like five cars that made like proper long pit stop stuff ups, all Fords, and then um. You, I, I looked at the spread and the cars that didn't do that all moved up positions during the race. All the Fords who didn't make a mistake in their pit stop went up positions. The only yeah. ones who went down positions were the ones who, were the ones who uh, stuffed up their pit stops. So not saying that's the problem, but if we want to make, uh, I suppose, the best judgments, the best judgments we, we possibly can, the, the four teams have to eradicate those mistakes from you know from the, from the data, so we can sort of see. All right, this was because um, I, I said to Tristan as well last week. We know what four teams have done well at Sydney Motorsport Park from history. Tickford, and they were at the they were there thereabouts in qualifying and racing all weekend. We know that Walkinshaw 
are notoriously bad at qualifying at Sydney Motorsport Park. And like clockwork, they showed up bad in qualifying. Um, I thought it was interesting that Dick Johnson Racing didn't look great on Saturday in qualifying. Um, but on Sunday, they seemed to put something together and they were able to get a podium as well. So there was no real surprises for me among the four teams about what happened uh, on both those races. And then in race pace, Chaz had great race pace Saturday and Sunday, which was surprising because Saturday was cold temperatures, if not much deg. Sunday was hot temperatures, if a lot more deg. And he still was um, really fast on both days. Cam also really fast on both days. Probably got screwed over by his penalty on Saturday. And then on Sunday, they he got a um, – he stalled it in the pit lane and lost about three seconds, which then ended up putting him behind a group rather than in front, rather than in front of a group after his pit stop, which, which would have hindered him as well. So them guys – were awesome. Anton got a podium on on Sunday, and if you looked at his pace at the end of the race, he was um you know comfortably able to overtake Feeney and get on the podium. So it wasn't. I don't think that it was um the cars that you sort of would have expected to be up the front and be repping the Ford brand looked just as good as the Camaros this week. I suppose. Can I ask mm. um, this whole palaver about parity? Do we think this has something to do with it? And it's just something that I've thought of. We constantly see Cam, Chaz, and even Anton won a race, I think, last last time out. He won one. Um, yeah, last he won one last time out. That's right. Yeah. Is it the drop-off in driver quality in the Ford ranks compared to the quality in the Chevy ranks that's causing this, this parity issue? Like what seems to be a parity issue because – Obviously, Cam, Chaz, and sometimes Anton are able to get results, but the the others aren't. I'm going to say something that is probably it, or is probably going to be very uh, what's the word? Is not going to be taken well. But I I believe that the Ford ranks are massively, massively understaffed mm. in terms of the heavy hitters of our sport. When you look at Triple Eight Racing. Whether you love them, which is not many people, or whether you hate them, which is a lot of people because of how good they are, they are usually de facto, uh, you know, one and two in the championship. So, and that's been through three generations of car of the future and before that. So let's, if we, let's say we hypothetically remove them from the situation because they have been the best of the best for over a decade. And then you look at Erebus, who have invested in two really good, really fast drivers. And if I would have been the best identifiers of talent in terms of their drivers over the last sort of two pairings they've had, they had David Reynolds in his prime, paired with Anton, who then moved to Dick Johnson Racing. And then they were quickly filled it with Will Brown and Brody Kostecki, who even before this year, we're still in the, you know, we're still in the consistently in the top uh, sixes or top ten. So them, them, they, them two guys have not appeared out of nowhere. They have mm. been there and they've been doing the hard work, right? So they're the top four of the championship at the moment. After that is Chaz, 
who, while he's been yeah. at Walkinshaw, has been around and about there that whole time. And um, there's Cam and in the top 10 as well, which is no anomaly. I think he's like seventh. Actually, I've got it here. I've pulled up the championship as we speak because I knew there was, we were going to talk about this. So Chaz is fifth after the two teams we spoke about. Heim Gardner is sixth. Cam Waters is seventh. And then Jack LeBrock, Fullwood, and Winterbottom are eighth, ninth, and tenth. This is where I suppose the questions would become because Jack LeBrock is probably having the best use ever had. Fullwood, having said that, showed a lot of promise last year but has never sat in the top 10 in the championship, probably never sat in the top 15. And then uh, Mark Winterbottom has, uh, he's probably doing better than he's ever, uh, he's done in a long time as well. So that is where the, I think that is where the questions sort of start arising, but for how the top seven uh, are sitting at the moment. I like realistically, realistically that has been very close to how it's been mm. give or take for the last couple of years. I think if the, the four drivers and the four teams at the same time, and, and also Anton sitting very low this year, even though he's won a race, like he's still sitting at 13th. Will Davidson sitting in 11th. Well, they didn't uh, do much for the first however many rounds. No, so. and they, they, they were non-existent. Um, Courtney is and Randall are, are sitting in 17th and 18th with Matt Payne. So yeah, the, the back end is really bad for the Fords and Perkett's in 23rd, which is ridiculous. Like he's, he's been shit this year. So I guess that's what I'm saying. Like the gap between the top guys in Ford ranks versus the guys on the many. There isn't as many. Like no. that's it. Like that's the thing that the, 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 the strength of numbers in the Ford ranks, I don't think is, is as close. But having said that, drivers like Courtney have been better than a lot of the drivers, a lot of the um, mm. a lot of the Camaro drivers in front of me as well. So I'm not saying that's that's all the problems. Um, but like even this weekend, it was it was apparent that the qualifying pace, either it's pace or the fact that they've changed this Mustang in the last two events and they still don't know the sweet spot for qualifying. It was apparent how bad the four, uh, how much worse the four teams were at qualifying. But then when you watch the race pace, they were able to, mm. you know, mix it up really well. So how that, you know, shakes out in the long run. And I know like a lot of people, like, I think Tristan made a good point last week about like, if we get to Bathurst and the parody is still an issue, it's going to sort of ruin the spectacle. I think one thing that is becoming apparent is, or well, even this weekend at a track that is a lot of high deg, the race pace of, I think, the forwards isn't the problem. It is the qualifying pace. Mm. But also it's the fact that the, the teams are making a lot of mistakes in the pits, which is here, like which is dropping the cars down a lot lower than possible, a lot lower. Drivers are making mistakes as well. That every, All drivers make mistakes. That's fair enough but it's mm. a lot of the four drivers as well doing most of them. And um, I think the, some of the four teams need to take a big swing and try and bring in, you're trying, you know, trying to lure one of the, one of the, or some of the, you know, drivers that are really sitting in that Camaro stable and try and even the numbers a little bit as well. 
Speaking of moving drivers, I saw a mm. couple of articles this weekend where SVG is hinting that he's going, could be going next year, regardless he's, of his contract. It, it it sounds like he's going next year. I would say he's going next year, from what it sounded like this weekend. He doesn't he doesn't know if he's going to have a full time driver next year, but he's going to have a at least a part time NASCAR driver. And he said he can't do both at once. So. What does Triple H do? Do they poach Cam or Chaz or do they try and bring up from within? Like, do they have many drivers in their ranks, like a Brock Feeney or something? Like, what's the – what, what do you envisage? They've they've taken a punt on Stanaway. Uh, I can't see them uh, not giving him a chance. They've also got the GOAT win cup in the ranks, so I reckon if he really needed to, could do the job for a year as well. I don't think they've got any young guys who <laughs> – they can afford to put with Feeney for it right at the moment if they're really chasing the 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 uh, the team's championships. Yeah, that was um, going to be my thing because if they bring someone up that's that's young and fresh, they're gonna. I know Feeney's pretty good for his age, but it's not really something that most top teams would do. Have two I young think, guns. I think if Stanaway performs well. <laughs> In the enduro seat, in the enduro drives he has, and they'll be able to tell from his pace, obviously how close mm. he is to the to the the you know the main gamers. If he performs well, which he's done in the past, I think he'll get you know first bite of the cherry. And if not, I would not be surprised if Win Cup comes back for a year. But having said that, I would I would be pretty comfortable saying it's going to be Stanway. So you can't see a Chaz moving across. Um, would he do that? Firstly, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I could see a driver moving, mm. but at the same time, like a lot of the drive, like I think if SVG is gone, all of the drivers would probably feel pretty comfortable in mm. the, like the good drivers would feel pretty comfortable in the teams they're in. You know, with cars that they've got a year in and engineers that they know going for the championship rather than moving to triple eight. Um, it would be, a, it's going to be an interest, interesting conundrum. Mm. What, if anyone was to move, I think it would probably be waters, but at the same time, he's such a Tickford boy. I don't That's know. That's what I was going to say. Like Chaz has obviously driven Hold, Holden's before. Like he hasn't really got that affinity for the, for the badge. I think Cam seems more to be a, a Ford guy from looking on Chaz the outside. Is- Chaz is still a very much, I think, a Ford guy. I think he's pretty happy that they've gone back to the Mustangs. The thing as well that I will say is that I don't think this Mustang problem will be around next year. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's already gotten so much better. So, uh, it's, Well, it's I guess it's be- like in Formula One, though. If someone offers you the top seat in a Red Bull, well, you're going to take it, right? Yeah. I, I, I would just be interested to see who they bring in. Mm. Um, I like they're... There is, yeah, it, um, it's going to be a, a uh, in, it's going to be interesting how quickly they can sort it out. That's for sure, because it's not. I think it's, it's put Triple Eight in an interesting position where they, where a lot of drivers are also locked up for next year because no one foresaw, foresaw this happening. You know, no one foresaw SVG leaving mid-season, and I would mm. expect a lot of the other drivers, like you know, if your Chazes and your Cams aren't going to hit the open market. So, if you're going to bring someone in. I don't think any of the real A graders are 
off contract. So, and I and I, I don't see a team just going, oh, you can walk to Triple Eight and uh, until you know your, your contract's up. Which is why I think bringing Wind Cup back would be very possible. Other other than parity, what are mm. your um, main kind of takeaways of, of the first half of the season? And are there any like key points that you'd like to discuss? Over the first half of the season, I've been really happy with how Erebus have been performing as a team, not just as drivers, but as a team, in, you know, in terms of the strategies they're calling, the consistency they're showing, the, you know, the pit stop you know, prowess that they've developed as well. They're not really making, you know, pit stop blunders. Um, the, their drivers are sitting first and second and they're in the driving seat for the championship. Do they have the steam for it? I don't know. It looks like SVG is coming hard, mm-hmm. but you know they, they've got they've got there over the first half of the year, and it will be interesting when we get to the get to the um, enduro season where Triple Eight do so well if they mm-hmm. can you know if they can get through three you know big points events without making a cock up, and if they can do that, then. You know, I'm, I've just been really pleasantly surprised of how strong they've been and for their drivers as well because, you know, they've they've really grown those drivers. They didn't poach them from anyone. They're their drivers. Yeah. So to be able to do it with their drivers, drivers that they, they've put faith in, is, is such, it's been so awesome. Other than that, I think touching on the parity for a second, I've been underwhelmed with, with, with the forward side still. Um I don't know if they're sharing data, but I think it's actually, I know they're not sharing data because the head of Ford performance was saying he can't see the data of all his Ford cars. I'm like, well, if he's mm. not seeing it, then there can't be, you know, group decisions being made. It must just be, it must be for supercars eyes only. Um, so that's a bit befuddling if they're trying to, you know, if you, you think that we're trying to pull all stops to get this mm. shit sorted. Um out of the you know out of the the main drivers, I think Chaz is performing as you'd expect. Cam is performing how you'd expect. The rookie, you know, the 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 battle between the rookies, I think, has been really interesting. I think Matt Payne has shown glimpses with um, Grove Racing why he's, uh, you know, why he was such a you know a touted talent when he came in. I think also Cam Hill with Matt Stone racing over the last couple of events has uh, really risen as well. And yeah, LeBrock has been stealing the headlines for them with a few podiums, race wins and good results. But I think Cam Hill has also been showing a lot of pace and like yesterday he was running re- really well, but he had a, I think the the car had a big, uh, they had a big blunder into pits as well, which screwed him. Um, so between them two, I think it's been it's going to be an interesting battle towards the end of the year. I would have liked to see Declan Fraser up there as well with them too, but he hasn't been as fortunate. Or well, I think that tradie car might just be cursed. Um, we saw the same problems with Kostecki. So if he can get up there, I would like to see all three of them having you know their moments where the other two have definitely had moments in the you know moments of notice. And I think we're getting to the better part of the season now. Like, without a doubt, you're getting to the enduro part of the season, which is 
always a bit more not mm-hmm. interesting, but you know, we've got Bathurst still to come, we've got Sandown still to come, we've got the Gold Coast still to come, and we've still got Adelaide to come, some of the better races. So hopefully I'd when love, we hit that, I'd love to go to the Gold Coast. I think yeah. Well I think that's gonna be this is my only gripe with the Gold Coast, and it's always been my gripe. Make it one race. Mm. Make it one long six hundred race on the streets. But I know why they do it as two three hundreds. I just I think the fact that it's an endurance event, it should be a longer race. Like that's just my my two cents. But yeah, I think hopefully by the time we get to that part of the season, the parity issue will not will no longer be a talking point. Because I I, I will I will I will echo what Tristan said if it we get to Bathurst and it's, you know, a Camaro race and a board race that will, that's never happened in my lifetime. And it will look pretty bad mm. on the sport for our biggest race being a farcical. Yeah. And, and that, that race is its biggest, is supercar's biggest um, marketing point, right? Cause yeah, hundred percent. If you don't watch, like a lot of people won't watch any other event bar Bathurst. So Yeah. I look forward to Bathurst every year, so hopefully it is sorted by then because I would like to see last year, I just remember, obviously SVG won it, but the last stint where Cam and Chaz were just hammering hard at the end there like that. So it was so good. But, um, yeah, fingers crossed. I, from what I think from what I, we saw th- this week and hopefully it gets validated by the time we get to the – like it's mm. a continuing trend by the time we get there – the Mustang race pace, I think, is just as good as the Camaro pace. Qualifying, I think, is an issue. But also the fact that they keep changing the Mustang doesn't help the Mustang teams mm. hone in on a qualifying setup because their parameters keep changing. Um, and I think that also is is going to remain a problem until they can nail something down because mm. how you set up the car you know, if, if you're changing stuff all the time is, is not helpful. So you can always hope, and I'm a pretty optimistic guy, and I don't think it's as bad as people say. And I think if the Ford teams start getting their shit together and the drivers start getting their shit together, we'll have a better sport as well. Because the Camaro drivers, not being biased, a lot of them are getting their shit together. And I think that is making the discrepancy a lot bigger. Well, here's to a end of year where Chaz, at least Cam and Chaz are battling with the Camaros consistently in quality and in race pace. Well, you would think this is probably the last, the last point I'll make before we close it. You would think from what it sounds like that Chaz is so far out of the title race, it's not funny. But he's still within 300 points of the championship, which is one catastrophe at Sandown, mm. one catastrophe at Bathurst, and one non-finish at you know any of the two fifty races that are there to come. There is so much left in this championship. And it's probably kudos to him more than anything. But even even he's had a few races of you know it's not like Triple Eight have had it all their own way this year as well. So you know. It's not as bad as I think people have to 
probably not listen to the you know doomsdays or doom what is it what is it the doomsayers a little bit less <laughs> and and you know stop jumping on on the bandwagon and 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 look at it for themselves i think if you take every great you know you look at every race independently and take everything with a grain of salt don't get too high don't get too low mm. you'll realize yes there are problems but it's, i don't think it's anywhere near what it's being blown out to be i think i said so, it a few weeks ago it's the first year of new regulations. So there's always going to be issues. Like they're never ironed out perfectly in the first year. So it is what it is. Yeah. And I think if Triple Eight was a Ford team, I don't I, I still would expect them to be where they are right now. Mm. And that's yeah. the honest that's the honest truth. If Harry wouldn't even be No. It wouldn't even be an issue if there was a if if Triple Eight or Erebus was a Ford team. Mm. Well, good for thought. It definitely, it definitely is. It definitely is. <laughs> well, uh, I think that I think we'll leave it there, mate. Um, we have a bit of a break now. I think I don't know when the next Supercars event is, but uh, a bit of a break, Couple especially for Formula One now. So, um, guys, keep doing your thing, liking, subscribing, um, jumping on YouTube because at the moment Joey's absolutely killing it with those YouTube videos, and. Um, keep subscribing to that channel because that, that seems to be our uh, best avenue at the moment so thanks for all your support Joe mate thanks for the chat and uh, I'll see you when we return see you in a couple of weeks until our mid-season break <laughs> <laughs> see thanks mate have a good see day you. have a good night bye